Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. During a time when the pandemic has truly affected life around the world in many ways, international trade is an important function for a thriving global economy as we aim to resume normal life again. The International Trade Administration's mission is to help U.S. industry compete on the global scale and promote fair trade. It does so by fostering economic growth and prosperity through global trade, as its own vision says. CIO Rana Bunn is amid a broad tech modernization strategy that is aiming to incorporate more emerging technologies like automation and risk management, and also shifting the organization to a client-centered mentality. This includes a new effort she's launching this summer, a client portal called MyITA. She discusses with us a look at what's coming up with that, as well as how she is transforming data, process, and culture to further these efforts. Rana, thanks so much for joining me on GovCast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Amy. So what brought you to ITA? Did you always want to work in public service? This is actually an interesting question because I've not really ever thought about my move to the International Trade Administration or federal service in general as particularly deliberate. I supported the federal government in in various roles as a contractor related to the delivery of technology solutions for over 12 years. But then I transitioned to a business-focused role within my company. And after a couple of years there, Uh, An opportunity was presented to me at the DOJ, Antitrust Division, that would realign my career path back toward a CIO. And after about three years running the office automation staff at the Antitrust Division, I looked for a role that would provide the opportunity to lead a larger organization and make a bigger impact in uh, citizen service delivery. And so I've always had a connection and desire to be involved in public service. For most of my life, I've been a public servant in some capacity. I've been involved in organizations such as church and sorority that focused on enhancing the lives of others through programs that addressed education, health, international development, as well as STEM, of course. But I would definitely say that my passion for service is a big contributor to my path here, but I have an equivalent passion for transforming organizations utilizing technology to drive outcomes. So here at ITA, there is ample opportunity to put these passions to work and make a big impact on U.S. businesses and the economy, as well as the lives of U.S. citizens and others around the world. Can you describe ITA's role a little bit more for our nation? Where exactly Does it fit underneath the Commerce Department? And how does technology really fit into its goals? The International Trade Administration is a bureau or sub-agency to the Department of Commerce. And ITA's mission is to create prosperity by strengthening international competitiveness in U.S. industry. We also promote trade and investment, ensure fair trade, and compliance with trade laws and agreements. ITA has a as has an especially important role in the global economic recovery in the wake of COVID-19 right now. We're working every day at improving the global business environment and helping U.S. companies compete at home and in international markets. As in most agencies, technology is a cornerstone 
uh, for many business processes that drive the execution of our mission. My organization, uh, Technology Services and Innovation, is more commonly known within ITA as TSI. We support ITA's mission just as our name suggests. We provide platforms and infrastructure, i.e. computing equipment, connectivity and security, and those things enable our ITA colleagues to reliably be productive each day. We also, as we strive to uh, provide assistance to many clients, as many clients as possible, we also partner with our mission colleagues to automate business capabilities through an array of technologies that help to increase the capacity to service our clients. In addition, we support uh, the creation of better client experiences. And I can give you a particular example. ITA has a vast number of products and services as it provides to its clients to advance exports and inward investment. In addition to that, some of our services are driven by statutory requirements and they require consistent, reliable execution within defined timeframes. So we're, we're constantly looking for ways to innovate business process to deliver better quality and efficiency. And my office delivers technology solutions with that in mind, as we know it's critical for our clients' continued success. As an example, part of ITA's trade enforcement mission, we participate in Section 232 exclusion request review process. And that process considers whether to grant exclusions from national security related duties to a party's imports of certain steel and aluminum articles. I know that's a mouthful, but the exclusions process is led by the Bureau of Industry and Security, but also involves ITA in that process. Both sub-agencies are within the Department of Commerce. Needless to say, the process is very complicated to manage with thousands of requests filed by um, constituents with BIS on a monthly basis. In partnership with teams from each sub-agency, we developed a user-friendly online portal for parties submitting exclusion requests. And that new portal uh, streamlined the exclusion process for external parties by eliminating the separate submission of attachments and replacing the, the data collection points with a web-based uh, form inclusive of the enhanced data integrity and quality controls that are necessary for a great process. In addition, the portal improved transparency by allowing parties to track all information on each exclusion request in one system. The new exclusion request portal also enabled a better collaboration with agencies through a more seamless information sharing across teams. The automations eliminated thousands of hours of human data entry, thereby reducing processing time and most importantly, enabling faster outcomes for our clients. So another example, this is a really good example of how technology is enabling ITA to provide value. And that's through our Express Leads Pilot Program. Our trade specialists in the commercial service arm of ITA work on the ground every day, assisting clients with navigating the complexities of exporting. Express Leads captures, evaluates, and provides American companies with early stage information on opportunities in sub-Saharan Africa's power sector. Until about a year ago, it was a largely manual process. It was very time consuming. As an interagency pilot between the Department of Commerce 
Empower Africa team at the U.S. Agency for International Development, also known as USAID, the vision was born to implement a fully automated solution to help companies generate new business opportunities by packaging all this early stage intelligence and sending it to targeted US companies. And so my team using a, a user, a human-centered design approach to achieve these specific outcomes, we partnered with ITA's business units to build an integrated solution that automated the critical processes with existing technologies. So now using our collaboration suite, the Power Africa Group collaborates on collecting and evaluating that early stage market intelligence. And then they identify companies and deliver to them the information uh, using our client relationship management and digital marketing platforms. And that information is automatically loaded into a visualization tool that is used to analyze and track the process, enabling a core piece of the lead management process. And since we've launched the initial pilot, we've expanded to another region. And as a result of this, we've accelerated stalled client projects, we've expanded the commercial service networks and revived relationships that would very likely result in business expansion. And there are so many more applications of technology to the mission that I can talk to you about, but as you can see, it has a tremendous impact on how we deliver. And it really is the very thing that excites me about doing this particular job every day. Especially during COVID, that international aspect is so important, um, especially to, you know, considering the impact it's had on the economy. So considering that you're the client portals and some of these things that you just described, your clients are... Of course, there are businesses who are trying to apply to, to do business, you know, internationally, but you have a mixture of kind of like internal clients as well with other departments within commerce. So does your office kind of serve more of like a cross collaboration role? Absolutely, we do. And so, yeah, so I'll, I'll expand a little bit on, on our clients. And so they are U.S. companies and they're seeking assistance in expanding business through exporting. And they may also be economic development organizations seeking to attract foreign direct investment to their state or local community. And so we're intensely focused on small and medium businesses and about 90% of our clients are small and medium businesses. We also work with foreign companies and investors that are interested in doing business with US companies or investing in the United States. Uh, we offer our clients products and services that are related to export assistance, investment facilitation, market intelligence, and ensuring fair trade. And so our export assistance services are delivered through our network of trade professionals, and they're located in more than 100 U.S. and commercial service offices nationwide in more than 70 countries. And we work with our internal customers, our, the business, to help them to deliver products and services such as export education, access to resource directories, customized market research, featured service listings, business to business matchmaking, and a host of other services, as well as uh, various data products that help our clients to inform their business decisions. And so we have a cadre of economists that work in the export promotion area, and they're specialized um, trade and industry professionals that develop market intelligence and produce top market reports, as well as country commercial guides that give clients insights on market conditions 
as well as guidance for competing in the, the uh, specific regions. And so we are working every day with those, the folks that are providing those services to figure out how to make their processes more seamless and gain productivity. We also provide services in ensuring fair trade, which aids clients in resolving foreign trade barriers. Additionally, through the anti-dumping and countervailing duties petition counseling service that we provide, we educate clients on options under the U.S. trade and trade remedy laws. And we provide guidance on how to file anti-dumping and or countervailing duties petitions for investigation. We will also uh, participate in the negotiation of trade agreements to assist with removing barriers. We provide information and counsel, connections with potential partners, and assistance with navigating the regulatory environment for business investors. And we provide uh, them with marketing and promotion services for U.S. economic development organizations to interested parties. Wow. So there's certainly a lot at play, especially when when you get into the regulation side of business and, you know, fair business, as you mentioned. I do want to go back to the point you said about automation. You focused a lot on automation at Justice, if I recall. So what'd you learn there? That's a great question. And I think I'm going to give you an answer that you're probably not going to expect. So for some background, I spent quite a few years at the Department of Justice in a variety of roles. And I think I talked about that a little bit earlier. I was a strategic partner and service provider for the antitrust division and all with a focus on information technology services. But immediately prior to my current role at ITA, I served as a federal leader overseeing the IT service delivery program for the chief, as the chief of office automation for the antitrust division. And so while my primary responsibilities were to deliver secure, reliable, and available infrastructure, enterprise application services, my efforts were largely centered on transforming services and service delivery to enable greater accessibility and efficiency of of the use of technology. And so I drove the design and implementation of mobility, data center consolidation, equipment and services, rationalization, cloud strategy, modernization of enterprise litigation support applications, just to name a few of the transformations that we conducted to improve business process. But when I think about what I've learned, I can certainly talk about the exciting capabilities and cost-efficient benefits of the various cloud platforms and services or virtual desktops or litigation discovery automation. However, I would say that the most important thing that I learned is not directly related to technology, but it was how to manage the constant requirement for change that CIOs have to navigate on a daily basis as we are transforming the business. And some would say it's nearly impossible to drive drastic change in a government environment. I won't say that it's easy, but I can certainly, it can certainly be said that it becomes more palatable with a laser focus on managing expectations and navigating obstacles and doing that with a thorough change management plan. So in the massive technology overhaul that I implemented at the antitrust division, I learned that just short of excessive communication with constant polling and community activation, they are the most critical components of change management and being able to drive change in adopting Um, new process uh, in transforming processes. 
I know that, you know, some of the things that I mentioned, you know, about, um, you know, constant polling and community activation sound similar to things that you would do if you were running for an office. Uh, when I think about my experience, I did many of those things that a candidate would do to achieve success in all of these changes. I developed a vision and a case for change with the benefits for the constituents, conducted town halls in offices across the country and listening to the needs of the community. I also enlisted champions and early adopters in every office to help me move the change. I also took new solutions on a roadshow. I did demos before I deployed things and, and created mechanisms. The most important thing I think is creating those mechanisms for collecting and, and reacting to the feedback so that we can avoid work stoppage. But putting the time into change management daily allowed me to convince customers to do a number of things. First and foremost, ridding reluctancy and creating the desire to adopt more restrictive policies, if you can believe that, for their benefit, as well as an unbelievable amount of change in the pace of technology change to include new computing platforms with new operating systems, many productivity applications upgrades, new identity and access management solutions, new remote access, and much more. And I did all of that within 14 months, which seems something that's impossible, but I did. And I would say that it is due to change management. So technology is always changing. There's always going to be something new to learn about automating things and building new services. But change management continues to reap benefits in my experience. Definitely, especially with those uh, emerging technologies, you know, that change management is always going to be a crucial piece of that puzzle. Absolutely. So you also had a significant time in the private sector. And I know you mentioned a lot about regulations and kind of like barriers in government. What have you learned about the state of technology in federal government due to your time there? This is a great question. You know, having spent time in the private sector and driving organizational efficiency with technology, I can say that uh, rapid adoption of technology was significantly less challenging than it is in the federal government. <laughs> and that's largely because the private sector, you know, the competitive forces necessitate rapid change. And the construct of the organization and processes are generally designed to facilitate shifting of resources when necessary. In the government, resource constraints, funding, acquisition, processes, staffing, have historically limited our ability to be nimble and forward-leaning in the use of technology. But as of recent, due to the advancements in technology, the portability of technology services, and the pay-as-you-go costing models, I believe that the state of technology has begun to turn a corner toward great in many agencies. And these advancements are breaking down those barriers to adoption and our ability to rapidly adopt individual capabilities as our resources allow. Many agencies have at least begun to transition to cloud services, unlocking you know, the ability to modernize systems for cost efficiency and the ability to leverage leading edge capabilities without having to make significant investments in personnel and capital expenditures. At ITA, we're actually in really great shape when it comes to technology. We're 100% cloud-based, leveraging mostly platform as a service and software as a service capabilities. We've invested in digital 
to support our online channel and enabling us to provide better client experiences every day. We've also invested in a user adoption program focused on our internal customers, giving them the ability and the capabilities to learn how to leverage the capabilities available to them, specifically as it relates to productivity, collaboration, and data tools. We are intensely focused on democratizing the use of technology across the agency to aid businesses in, uh, in their process and delivery of products and services. And that ensures that we're getting the most value out of the technologies that we have deployed. That's amazing, especially considering uh, the new client portal that you just mentioned earlier and the things with you're doing around legacy modernization. Describe where ITA is at in its overall digital modernization journey. Sure. Um, so we've come quite a long way in the last in the past couple of years in our transformation journey. And just a little background. So our digital transformation was kicked off to enable ITA's vision to become a client-centric organization with consistent customer experiences. And also where we have an environment where we're learning and adapting as an organization with strengthened business processes and, and an enabling technology infrastructure. And so to realize this vision, we had to take a holistic approach. So certainly legacy modernization is part of it, but it also involved building up our organizational capabilities and transforming some there. We have addressed the transformation limiting challenges with the technology infrastructure through the modernization of our legacy applications. We're now able to maintain consistent availability of core services and have mitigated the increasing cost of maintaining that legacy infrastructure. To date, we've completed about 98% of that modernization and we anticipate completion by the end of this fiscal year. We've also delivered about 300 updated products and services and several new enterprise capabilities, such as a data services ecosystem, document management and publishing, web content management and digital analytics. So we've implemented these capabilities on cloud-based platforms, leveraging containerized services, serverless functions, and other SaaS capabilities, which enable us to increase our speed in delivery of solutions to meet internal and external client needs. And just talking a little bit, so I told you that we, we focused in on the modernization, but there are also some other things that we've done organizationally to achieve the outcome of being client-centric. And so in addition to the technology transformations, we've made incremental transformations to organization, data, process, and culture. We realigned the IT organization, we shifted personnel and brought in new talent to enable that vision, providing adequate oversight, and as well as expanding the capacity to meet demands. We hired a chief technology officer, and we acquired some other specialized skills that help us to reduce the risk uh, to ITA and fill some critical skill gaps that we did not have internally within uh, the organization. We also stood up several critical units and programs. We set up a unit called customer success, and that unit is focused on partnering with program leaders and um, to drive success through the use of technology. Customer success is outfitted with um, certified change management professionals that work to mitigate resistance and adoption of technology changes. We also put some business relationship managers in place under customer success, and they work directly 
with the business unit programs and the CTO to identify and anticipate the technology needs, as well as to coach our ITA colleagues to ensure that they're getting the maximum value uh, from the existing technologies. We also stood up an Office of Digital Strategy and Engagement, also known as ODSE internally. And we did that to sustain our focus on customer centricity and client experience. ODSE has uh, skilled professionals in content management, user experience, digital strategy, and digital marketing. And they guide ITA in maintaining and improving online client experiences and helping the business to realize opportunities to deliver their uh, products and services in new ways. We also increase the capabilities of our data team to provide coaching on the use of those powerful tools. And then we stood up a, a PMO and they are particularly in place to help ensure that we have a pipeline of investments that are prioritized and we are implementing those in the expected timeframe and on budget. Lastly, data transformation. We delivered a new data services ecosystem that enables learning and adapting with a centralized view of all data owned and curated by ITA. And it's integrated with our client relationship management system. It also provides the tools that enable business units and citizens to manipulate data securely and uh, to develop new products without the assistance of TSI and an IT organization. Uh, we've established a data community of practice, which is driving the adoption of tools as well, sharing um, knowledge among colleagues and growing the data acumen across the organization. And we've also committed to a data maturity plan that's going to drive the adoption of evidence-based decision-making. And we hope to achieve that by uh, the end of this calendar year. Lastly, so there, I did say lastly on the last one, but it isn't. So we also did some transformation, right? Uh, strengthening business process is always going to be a continuous effort. But in the past year, we've been implementing several best practice frameworks and governance structures that are designed to ensure that we avoid silos and, and connect work activities consistently. So we've implemented DevSecOps, uh, new governance structures, including uh, customer experience governance board, data governance board, and they're all promoting a culture of collective responsibility across ITA to manage customer experiences, data, and uh, deliver value-adding technology products. And so, now, finally, we are driving cultural change to increase desire, ambition, and technical acumen, and with the intent to serve our clients better. Wow. That is certainly a lot that's going on as far as, you know, bringing the agency to a more of a client-focused, mission-oriented department. Is there anything unique to ITA that you're dealing with from maybe not just a tech standpoint, but considering all this change management? Um, the legacy and kind of like these culture overhauls that you're going through. Is there anything unique to ITA considering how dispersed it is, you know, with its offices all over the world and, and the international nature of its mission? You know, uh, this topic actually, this, this question makes me smile because a couple of years ago, I probably would have said that there are several pain points to talk about as it relates to delivering IT services across the world. But today, uh, you know, there are very few things that come to mind thanks to the advancements of technology. You know, 
the cost of support is down. Staff productivity is up. You know, there's rarely a need to provide on-site support because we have deployed tools that, you know, allow us to completely configure and manage equipment remotely from our centralized customer support center. Historically, communication costs were also very costly. They required relationships with many different suppliers, but with advancements in cloud services, you know, we are in the, we're in the process right now of deploying a new telephony solution uh, with a single provider for the entire organization. The only change that really comes, the only challenge that comes to mind is not really something I can solve, uh, but, you know, just with equipment distribution, you know, lead time as it relates to delivery and receipt of at some sites. You know, that's out of our hands. And, you know, once the equipment is in hand, the ITA colleagues are able to access services from anywhere on any supportive device and location is agnostic. Well, that's good to hear. So I know you discussed several things um, over the course of this interview, some new things that came out. Is there anything you're excited about coming up, whether it's, you know, impacts from the new presidential administration or uh, anything in the cybersecurity environment that you see impacting ITA? Yeah, we've got some really exciting things coming up. As part of our transformation strategy, we've undergone several initiatives to renew our commitment to serving our clients better and increasing our reach. And that is a, a, a focus, a strategic focus for the years to come. So specifically over the past several months, we've been focused on improving the, our online channel, which is going to enable us to do many more things. We've integrated our client relationship management and web content management capabilities into our, our web presence. We've stepped up our digital analytics and marketing capabilities and implemented some of the latest tools and training uh, the business on how to use uh, the data to understand the voice of the customer. This summer, truly exciting, we will be launching our first ever customer portal called MyITA in its initial release. Clients will be able to manage their paid services all in one place. We will have actually several releases over the, over the course of this year that will um, enable additional functionalities, being able to pay for services online, connect and share information with their assigned trade specialists. And for new clients, they will be able to connect with their trade office in their region to request services via the portal. This is going to be game changing for us. It's going to springboard us into evolving our services and, and exponentially increasing the clients that we can serve. So as we talk about emerging technologies, the most exciting technologies for me are centered around data and artificial intelligence. There are so many services right now at our fingertips that will provide incredible insights and automation that are available to us through cloud services. And those things can be rapidly deployed and configured to provide immediate value without having extensive experience in AI. We've already begun to incorporate AI in our roadmaps. We plan to implement robotic process automation to provide better customer experiences for self-service requests, as well as integrated into our data collection points uh, within our internal customer support capabilities. We are also exploring machine learning capabilities for the portal to collect and analyze clients' needs, and that will enable us to automatically 
curate information, products, and services specific to each unique client's needs and present that to them in the portal. So deployed strategically, these technologies have the potential to provide so many benefits to ITA. They'll drive costs out of operations and they will further expand our capacity to provide impactful assistance. In the future, we'll also be applying these tools to provide deeper insights and predictive analysis uh, in our market intelligence products, which may provide increased um, competitive advantage to our clients. And that is value. That's fantastic. Well, Rana, thank you so much for giving us a debrief of everything going on at ITA and kind of painting that landscape of what technology is really going to mean for the agency and international trade. So thank you so much, Rana. It's my pleasure. And thank you so much, Amy, for giving me this time to talk about some of our great accomplishments. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.